Well, I think you're coming to us from Australia today. Is that right? That's correct. Last time I looked, I was in Sydney. Yes. <laughs> and still in Sydney. Cool. Yes. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, welcome back, listener. You are tuned into Traffic Jam episode number 25. I'm your host, James Reynolds, and this, of course, is the podcast show that teaches you how to get more traffic, leads, and sales to your website and build a profitable audience online. Now, I can't quite believe it. We're up to episode number 25 of Traffic Jam. We are a quarter of a century worth of episodes in, and I guess at this juncture, I'd really like to thank you, the listener, for making this show what it is. You're the real driving force behind me getting behind the mic each week and uh, interviewing these top guests that we have on Traffic Jam. And because of that, I really want to get to know how you've been doing with the content. Have you been able to implement any of the stuff that we've been teaching here on Traffic Jam? What information have you gotten a hold of? What have you implemented and gotten great results with? I'd love to hear some success stories and case studies that I could perhaps share with other Traffic Jam listeners. So why don't you this week just shoot me an email if you've managed to have some success. I'd love to hear about it. Email address is james at veravo.com or Alternatively, you can head on over to an episode page and just leave a comment there. But I really would love to hear your success stories. Trafficjamcast.com. A quick announcement at the top of the show, and that is on the 2nd, 3rd and 4th of December, I will be co-hosting the Middle East Internet Summit 2013. Now, this is an online event, so you don't have to be physically in the Middle East to attend. As long as you have an internet connection, you'll be able to take part. And on the 2nd, 3rd and 4th, myself, along with 18 other presenters, We'll be showcasing 21-minute talks around our various areas of expertise and giving away some really good gifts and giveaways as well. Some really good training courses from some of the top minds on internet marketing. Well worth checking out. If you want to register, you can do for free, of course, at MiddleEastInternetSummit.com. That's www.middleeastinternetsummit.com. So go check that out. If it looks of interest to you, then I would well recommend registering for that event. So on to today's guest. Well, he's pretty influential in the area of blogging and social media. He is a top 50 social media power influencer for 2013. In fact, he's listed at number 11 in the Forbes.com list. He's published on the New York Times. He's also published in the Huffington Post as one of the top 100 business leadership and technology Twitter accounts you really should follow. And 2013 Social Media Examiner named his blog one of the top social media blogs online. So if you're investing your time in blogging or social media or in fact want to, then I think you're going to find this interview extremely relevant and appealing. So stay tuned for that. It's coming right up next. But of course, 
If you're a first time listener, I've got to tell you not to go anywhere after the interview because we do have our regular segments, the one minute traffic tip, the this week's news in traffic roundup, and also we play out the show with a musical jam. So stick around after the interview for all of that great stuff. But first, we are going to go to the interview. My guest is Jeff Bullis from jeffbullis.com. He's an Australian with a very, very influential blog that's extremely highly trafficked, 4 million page views per year. And what's so remarkable about it is that he's built this blog with 100% free traffic. He's not using any paid traffic strategies at all. He's primarily building this thing off the back of social media. So without any further ado, let's get stuck into today's interview. And it's with Jeff Bullis. So hello, listener, you're tuned into another episode of Traffic Jam. And joining me today is Jeff Bullis. Jeff, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Well, it's great to have you on the call. I think you're coming to us from Australia today. Is that right? That's correct. Last time I looked, I was in Sydney. Yes. <laughs> and still in Sydney. Cool. Yes. Well, you've got this blog um, on the domain jeffbullis.com. Now, as a quick kind of little intro to our listener, um, why don't you just give us a little overview of what you've got going on over there and a little introduction to your business? Um, we are creating premium content, so of, and we do strategic consulting. Um uh, we also uh, do a lot of international public speaking. So I was actually in Kuwait earlier this year, uh, in the US after that. And I've been uh, in Turkey, Italy, and also in Beirut, Lebanon, in the, and New Zealand in the last uh, 12 to 18 months. Wow. So you weren't too far away from me a short while ago, hey, in Kuwait. I'm just across the water in Dubai. So yes. practically yeah, staying there. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's dig into a little bit more about your blog. I think it's pretty highly trafficked. From what I can tell you, you're somewhere around the 6,000 mark in Alexa. And according to your bio, you've got about 4 million page views per year. How have you built that level of traffic to that blog? Uh, it's really comes down, I'd say, to two key things. One is just creating the best content you can. Uh, that's relevant to your audience. And I seem to have got that right uh, from day one, and I got better at doing that. The other thing too is then building a tribe around that. So I worked very early on with Twitter, and uh, Twitter I found was a social network that a lot of people didn't get, but I um, found that it actually drove a lot of traffic. In fact, today it's my biggest driver by far over even Facebook. So um, Twitter. I work really hard at building an audience and have a following of just over 200,000 at the moment. So they're the two key things is creating the best content you can and do that relentlessly and also build uh, followings on, on social networks. They're the two key things. There's a lot of other things behind that, but uh, if you wanted to sum it up, that would be how I did it. Sure. And I'm sure we'll dive into some of that other stuff during the next sort of 20 or 30 minutes. But just diving into Twitter, what are you doing differently on Twitter that you feel has got that traffic source to be so successful for you? I 
found, when I discovered Twitter early on, I decided to start tweeting and I also built, I really worked hard at building followers. But what I found was a tool about three or four years ago called Social Oomph that allowed me to actually load my tweets and make them recurring. So that means I could load them once and just let them feed tweets into the Twitter stream. And what I did differently was I automated early. I've automated about four years ago. And social media purists would say, well, that's not engagement, it's not real social media, it's not social networking, and you're right. But it, from a marketing point of view, it worked brilliantly. So I, I didn't follow the, what I call the purist traditional um, path of doing manual tweeting and engaging with everyone that tweeted back because I just can't do that, I, especially now. So <laughs> that, that was... That's what I do differently. So I tweet every 15 minutes and I don't have to be there because the tool does it for me. And I've also discovered about two years ago the power of what I call evergreen content. So what I tweet is not what I call news because news is old news tomorrow. So I create mainly evergreen content. Content is about the principles of social media marketing or, or search engines or um, you know Twitter or whatever. It's basically about principles and solving problems for people so that it helps them grow their business and their networks. So uh, that's some of the things I did a little differently was I focused on evergreen content and and tweeted a lot. Yeah. So And I, I got given a fair bit of grief by a lot of people, early, well, not a lot, but occasionally, but I said it's working so I'm not going to listen to you. Um and it's proven to work. So. Yeah. so has there been any sort of dangers or repercussions with automating your tweets? I know that, as you said, certain social media advocates would say under no circumstances should you ever automate. But then on the flip side of that, what you're arguing, which I think is a super valid point, in all of this, maintaining a consistency of content has got to be a real big factor in your success. I mean, being ever present, putting out content regularly um, is a yep. major, major thing. But just on the flip side, what, it, what have been some of the, um, the risks, if any, that have been involved with automating that aspect of your marketing? Uh, I think they've been quite minimal. So some people don't like it and so they haven't followed me, but that's their choice. <laughs> uh, right. And you can't, you, as, you, as you know, you can't please everyone all the time. Uh, but I, I've had much more positive feedback because I, I treat Twitter as a stream, not as an inbox. Yeah. But, and, and as you know, with Twitter, it's not something like you go in and find. Well, I'll go and read my tweets for the last two weeks. You just don't do that, right? You can go and what go into your inbox and your email and do that, but you just don't do that on Twitter. It's a stream, so it just streams past you in a torrent. Yeah. So the reality is that to be ubiquitous, to actually be um, Top of mind is that you need to be just popping those tweets into the into the stream all the time. So that was my strategy, and yep, uh, yep I got a little bit of flack. It wasn't big, but it was there. And if I'd listened to it, I would have stopped it. And I don't think I would have created the audience I have today. Yeah, fantastic. Good. Well. If we were to dive into your Google Analytics, I guess we're going to see some pretty telling numbers from Twitter as a traffic source. What else could we find if we were to dive into your analytics? What other numbers would be telling for your blog, jeffbullis.com? Okay. 
The one that's happened over the last um, 18 months as I've built some authority online is my organic Google search results are huge now. So because I create a lot of long-form content, which Google actually really likes now with you know the yep. rise of uh, Hummingbird recently and unique content. So every piece of content that's on my blog is unique. I don't do copied. Um, I curate, but then it's it's wrapped in my own words and you know linked back. But um, if you look at my stats, uh, it's well over fifty percent now of my traffic to my blog is organic search traffic. Oh, and what are you doing to promote those posts from an SEO standpoint? Is it purely powered through social media, just announcing those posts across your various channels? Yeah, that's the main driver is social um, and as we know that with the rise of Google Plus and well the development of Google Plus is Google wanted to capture social signals so what's happened is that Google's valuing um, social signals very highly now much more than it was three or four years ago yep. so uh, what happens is that then people discover your content through a Twitter you know through a tweet through a Google Plus update or post or a Facebook update, and then they embed it and they link back to your blog. So what you're doing is you're actually driving what I call link building. So being relentless by posting the greatest, best content you can means, and especially long-form content, is mean people are referring to you. So that's where you're doing what I call, you know, off-site link building back to your website or blog. Yeah. And uh, when I looked at my webmaster tools recently, I think I was approaching 300,000 inbound links. That drives a lot of referral traffic. Yeah, and I'm guessing very few of those were actually built per se by you, right? I mean, this is proper organic referral-based SEO where people are linking to your stuff, hopefully, because it's a pretty good resource and they actually want to promote yep. and refer it, right? I mean, it's exactly. really it's SEO as it should be, right? <laughs> so I've actually, uh, by doing that pretty well over the last four and a half years, is I've actually converged into what Google Plus and Google is actually rewarding now. Yeah. You know, long form content, resource based, uh, valuable, unique. Um, uh, that has a lot of social signals. Yeah. So uh, I haven't paid for one link in my entire blog career. Yeah. You know, um, I, I very rarely do any guest blogging because I just don't have the time because my focus is my home base. I do occasional. A lot, but I think for me, I got the strategy right, which is more about what drove me, which is actually creating content on my site. And um, Google, Google's uh, rewarding of that has um, proven to be very, very fruitful. Yeah, and you've got a few years of content cranked up there that is going to be indexed and being rewarded right now, I guess with the new yep. Hummingbird update. Well, let's talk a little yep. bit about the success of your blog, Jeff, because you've got, you know, you've got pretty well known. You're seen in pretty high esteem. I mean, Social Media Examiner regularly ranked you in the kind of top 10 social media blogs. And even Forbes have put you down as being one of the sort of top few social media influencers. What do you think that you are doing differently that others perhaps in your space are not to get that sort of recognition? Uh, relentless content creation. I I blog four to five days a week. Uh, I'm up at four thirty, 
and I write and edit. I have guest bloggers now, so that's fine, but I quite often write myself. And I have done that for four and a half years. So it's not like I blog once a month or once a week. So if you are going to be recognized, you need to put the hard yards in. It's not overnight success. It's just uh, putting, you know, persisting. Yeah. And I think the other thing too is I've, I write with my own voice. So if you actually read my blog post and then you went and read something else, you're going, Jeff's not writing that today. That was a guest blogger. So I think. You've got to learn to well. You've got to find your own voice online. Yeah. You know how you write, and you know be conversational and structure it well. So there are a lot of elements that go into the mix, but I think finding your own writing voice and being persistent about creating you know good content uh, that's really really important. I want to just ask you a couple of questions around the domain itself now you've actually chosen to blog on jeffbullis.com and then I was a little bit surprised actually to see that you do now accept contributions by other people you have guest posts there so I've got kind of two questions I guess in relation to that firstly why did you choose your own name.com as the domain for your blog and then on that basis why did you then allow others to write essentially kind of under your name on your website uh, there was no grand plan. I'm, I'm what you call an accidental blogger. <laughs> you know, so, um, and I'm sure there's maybe another blog or a few blog sites that will emerge around that ecosystem of, you know, jeffbullis.com. But I, I did, I suppose, a little bit of personal branding. I read a little bit of Dan Schwab's personal branding. Um, it means I really can't sell my blog because it's really me. Yeah, uh, but that's fine. I can build blog properties around that that can be, you know, um, on some of the interesting subjects and topics in the you know social media and digital space that I'm working on at the moment. So um, there was no grand plan. So jeffwallace.com was accidental. The .com wasn't accidental. I realised that uh, .com is an international domain name. Um, the other thing too is that. A large part of my audience is American, so um, I do not write as if I'm an Australian. I write for a global audience. I've always thought of myself as a global citizen. So, and I think you've got to if you've got to write for the world. You don't write for Sydney. You don't write for Australia. I don't write for Jeff. Um, I'm I'm writing for what I call you know a digital world because you know I, I think if you do that, then you actually touch a lot more people. Yeah. So how do you get that balance right between kind of finding your own personal voice and being true to Jeff Bullis and then also getting that balance that you're not alienating the biggest market in the world, the US, being an, an, you know, an Aussie guy down under? How do you get that balance right in terms of the actual voice of your content? Um, you make it as when you're creating the content, you're saying, will this um, reach that audience? So with the biggest audience being the US, so actually my spelling is what I'd call US English. So optimizes with a Z. And, uh, so, and I do that on purpose. And I, I don't refer to my location. Um, and then I'm always keeping in mind what someone who's maybe struggling with social media or wants to go to the next level, what they want to know. So I'm always asking what are their problems. 
and I've just got that always in the back of my mind. Is this something that would fascinate, educate, entertain, inspire? Uh, it's you just got to keep those questions always just sitting in the back of your mind when you're creating, you know, your articles and and when you're writing. Yeah. And at what point, Jeff, did you decide to bring on guest bloggers? You know, people that were going to be contributing content to your site. Um. I realized the pace of keeping that writing up was pretty, you know, it's pretty tough. And I also wanted to give myself some time to create premium content such as write my book and yep. I'm in the middle of writing a, a, you know, a social media marketing toolbox guide, which will be, you know, two or 300 pages and, um, you know, fairly intense. So I've, I've needed to free myself up to actually create premium content. So I've started basically, um, giving other people a platform so they can actually write for the audience. And and also I think what's good about that is it gives different perspectives that I, I sometimes feel like I'm writing about the same thing week in, week out, even though they're not, but I feel like they are. They are. <laughs> so I think if you get guest bloggers in, and you'll have a look at any of them, Social Media Examiner, um, you know, even Mark Schaefer, there's a lot of people letting People they say, okay, here's my platform, and you, you know, long as you keep the quality of the content up to scratch, and that's the that's the challenge. Quite often, is that you're trying to encourage people, not encourage. They've got a right to a similar standard that people are expecting um, from what I've been doing over the years, and that's tough. Sometimes it's maybe not quite there, um, but. You you make you edit it pretty tightly. You you know rewrite the headline maybe and uh, and you put tougher standards in place from a uh, article submission. Yeah, and full disclosure. I mean, when you have people guest posting on your site, whilst it's under jeffbullis.com, it, it's pretty clear on the post itself that it's written by someone else. It has an author, a different author's name um, yep. and other stuff there. So I think from the actual visitor's standpoint, there's no illusion that it's you or, or no. not you. They're pretty clear about it. Now, Jeff, you, right. you, you did say that you kind of got into this as a slightly accidental blogger um i do now though see that of course on your site that you are offering services around the topics that you talk about social media marketing etc what came first did the blog come first and the passion for social media and marketing or did the services come first and you then built a blog around it uh the passion came first uh the blog was a platform for the passion and the passion's not a singular word it's not social media. Yeah. Um, a passion actually is the intersection of several passions and, and they are writing, which I discovered once I started the blog. Um, Twelve months in, I said, hey, I actually like, you know, love this writing thing. Um, I just, I have always loved learning. So um, blogging uh, basically is about reading to write. So you're actually researching and then writing and then publishing. Um, I do love marketing and I I was intrigued by social media when I stumbled upon it, you know, when I got into Facebook and then Twitter in 2008 and I just noticed the way it seemed to touch, you know, people's psyche globally, like they were, people were obsessed with it, they dived in and they were tweeting and they were, you know, Facebook updating and I went, wow, there's some power here, so I was intrigued. So. Um, I was curious, 
so I said, I want to write about something that intrigues me and I'm curious about. And so I, I started it from a passion. And also what was in the back of my mind was, you know, when I get a bit older, um, what will I've left behind? What will I have contributed to the planet? So it's sort of a legacy question that was just bubbling very quietly at the back of my mind. So, um, so the blog really was the intersection of quite a few things that um, happened. Yeah. And it gave me a voice and what I found is the art of creation and publishing has actually been a huge driver of personal growth. So I'd encourage anyone, you know, to start a blog. If you do it for the right reason, for the right passion and purpose, then the other stuff sort of shows up. So the services have emerged out of that and, and the premium content because it's then packaging your knowledge and then selling it. Yeah. And uh, and that then gives you the freedom to actually keep doing what you're doing and do some other things which are a lot of fun, whether it's travel or whatever. But yeah, that's why I'm an accidental blogger. There was no grand plan to make money to actually <laughs> blog. Good. Well, I wanted to kind of ask you that question because having read your stuff, it's it's quite clear that you you know, do kind of advocate that people find what gives them a bit of fire in their belly and gets them passionate and then find a platform to kind of write and contribute around it. But there is going to be that listener out there who's perhaps in a business that doesn't really excite them that much. What would you say to that person? Should they go and find something else to blog about and perhaps build a, a personal brand attached to their business? Or do they just bite the bullet and actually write around what's relevant to their target market? Well, I would hope that if you're in business, you're actually doing it for the right reason, which is not just to make money, but actually because you actually love doing it. Uh, <laughs> Right. Yeah, well, that, um, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But of course, there are going to be uh, people still out there that you know, for whatever reason, yeah. they found them in a yeah, well, in a job. That's going to be <laughs> exactly. So it's not going to. It's going to be hard then for them to actually uh, sit down and blog every day at four thirty in the morning. And I understand that. So then you got to look seriously how you can leverage or create content, uh, whether it's getting guest bloggers in that are stakeholders in your business or your business ecosystem that are you know suppliers. There's a lot of you know. Uh, businesses that have blogs that actually have guest authors driven by their stakeholders and yep. their ecosystem that surrounds their business. Do that. Yep. Um, you know, go and find some great writers on Elance or Freelance or outsource your writing and, and, and edit it. Um, get community managers to look after the tribe. So, yeah, it's you've you got to get smart and uh, sometimes you're not going to be actually able to do it all yourself. And I think automation and, and social media management tools uh, which are evolving quite rapidly now because it's very hard to do social at scale. Yeah. And I think to pick up on something that you said very early in this piece, Jeff, you've got to be consistent with this stuff. I mean, building a blog that's successful is not something that's going to happen overnight. And if you haven't got someone driving that beast who's at least a little bit passionate about writing and contributing content, it's going to fall a, a pretty steep death early on, right? Exactly. You've, you've got it. You need some fuel, and that fuel is passion and purpose. You know, and you only have to look at you know the likes of Nike. Sorry, and well, Nike, uh, Red Bull. Yeah. They create fantastic content, and it's built. You know, it's, it's passion for their brand. Yeah. So, I think brands are passionate or on purpose because they're actually true to their brand and their whole you know reason why their product successful. Yeah. And uh, recently wrote a blog post about Red Bull. You know, is this the best content marketing company in the world? Because 
they understand the power of content to drive you know, search results to actually um, get conversations. And I love Coca-Cola's uh, strategy, which is a, based upon, you know, content excellence, not creative excellence anymore. And they are all about creating liquid content. It's getting content to flow around the web, not locked in filing cabinets or on hard disks. Yeah. And that's, and that's where the real power comes in, is actually unleashing the power of content to drive conversations about your brand. Because I tell you what, your tribes on the social networks can create much more conversation about you than you can ever hope to pay for through Google AdWords or a Facebook ad. So I'm a very big, um, I suppose, exponent and um, advocate of what I call organic or earned social media. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting that you did pick up on uh, Red Bull being a real kind of leader and uh, um, you know, at the forefront of the pack with this stuff. We had Joe Polizzi from the Content Marketing Institute on an yep. earlier episode, and that was, you know, really his one of, if if not the number one um, sort of case study, if you like, of a business that really does content marketing well because they lead with their brand. But really, if you look at the the, the basis of it, yes, they sell drinks, but what is that business about? It's, it's just all about content. Everything they do is all is all revolved around this content marketing machine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they and they, they don't create content about their brand. They have conversations around their brand. Yeah. Well, I want to pick up on this kind of brand theme and relate it a little bit to design. Now, if I'm right, did you have a background in in web design and and web development, Jeff, is that right? No. Oh. <laughs> really? No, no. No. You I were linked to yeah. a you you were linked to an uh, an internet marketing business, I thought. Okay. Um, I do some uh, part time work for a digital agency, and uh, we part of that work is uh, design and development of e commerce sites. So That's I'm not a designer. I'm I'm actually more my original um, focus in life or career was actually a teacher. So oh, okay. I've actually just changed. To, I've actually just changed to being an online teacher that just happens to be a blogger. So it's yeah. That's right. Well, now you get to travel the world and I guess teach also from the comfort of your home as opposed to to traipsing into schools or universities or wherever you were before. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I sort of I teach people who want to learn because as a high school teacher, I was teaching kids that didn't want to learn. <laughs> yeah. So um, and that's much more exciting. You know, you talk in front of a bunch of people and they're just hungry to learn and you're going. Then they come up afterwards and they go, well, it's just great to learn something about this today. And um, that motivates me a lot is I, you know, I is actually to help make a difference in people's lives by educating. And um, so I'm still an educator, just happens to be online. <laughs> well, let me still ask you the question I was going to ask you around design because I wanted to sort of sort of get your opinion on how important the design of a blog is to a blog's success because you've got a you know a beautifully simple site that's got this wonderful caricature graphic in the header but aside from that there's not a whole lot more going on visually it's plain it's white it's got some banners etc going down the side You've still managed to build up a massive audience, though. So, what's you know, how important is design? Should it be someone something that you know our listeners out there should be investing in, or does the content matter far more? Um, content's the focus, all right. 
don't distract by bells and whistles. You don't want people turning up to a blog and going, you know, what do I read? Um, it doesn't mean you can't have, you know, what I call, uh, you know, great resources under tabs, but you've got to turn up and the content is, you know, front and centre. Yeah. And uh, because it, that's the purpose. It's really to, it's, it's presenting content that's easy to read, um, easy to share, um, that adds value to people's lives and you've got to just keep giving till it hurts, you know. So it's really about creating this content and that's the focus. And guess what? The other stuff turns up. That's where the magic happens. That's the secret source. Yeah. It, it really, it's, you know, you could really overcomplicate it. And I've seen people agonize over design. In fact, my design wasn't done by any designer. It was actually just an artist friend created the, the caricature and that was actually quite different. So that was an accidental branding success again. Um, so I think you really need to be careful that you don't overdo design and, and we're seeing that in the likes of design trends at any rate that there's a real minimalist trend with design uh, but you've got to make sure, especially if you drive people to a landing page, you want them to do one thing, buy a book or buy a course or you know, subscribe to a monthly you know, membership. So you've got to work out what the objective is of the page or the blog and uh, be true to that. Yeah. Well, one thing that you have got quite a lot of is kind of banners and social media links, etc. in your right hand column. Do you ever worry that after putting all of that effort in and marketing your website on your social platforms and getting people to the site that you risk bleeding people off to other platforms? Um, a little bit. My bounce rates remain much the same uh, over the years. Um I'm in the middle of doing a redesign, which is going to be much more. It's going to be you know, responsive WordPress template. So uh, I don't agonise too much about taking people off. I've got a few ads there. Uh, it's about content or information that I trust and and know. Um, but if you write really good content, then you know you're going to keep people on site. So it's basically just working hard. At, just creating that content that uh, gets them turning up every time. Yeah. And of course, for your content, you're kind of seem to be at least kind of predominantly text um, focus. You don't seem to have too much video or audio on your site. Was that by design um, or do you just kind of just favor writing over the other mediums? I prefer writing. I think there's a magic in the written word. Uh, I've you know I've tried some video stuff. It just doesn't seem to drive the same traffic. Um, I'm you know what I call I suppose more information knowledge centric. I think a lot of people you know like to skim and scan and get the information very quickly. Um, it's maybe a generational thing. I'm not 23 or 25, so maybe it's <laughs> I'm more comfortable with text and writing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've tried. I've actually had some audio podcasts done with a little bit of a trial earlier in the year and I, the traffic didn't increase um, and I can put together a text blog post that I think adds a lot of value in teachers quite quickly. And, yeah, I, so I'm more comfortable with writing, I suppose, and that's the main reason. I've you know looked at Social Media Examiner with their podcasts and uh, other guys doing podcasts. That's fine. But it's a lot of work to do a really good podcast, you know, create the graphics and upload it to iTunes and, you know, 
Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's efficiency and I suppose it's my voice. Yeah, and I think it's... You know, it clearly works for you. Not only has it kind of worked in your favor now with the Hummingbird update with these nice, long, rich text posts, but it's also getting you the maximum result for the minimum dose, right? I mean, you're totally right. To put together a podcast requires... It requires a whole team behind you, really. We've got a transcriber. We've got an editor here that put these things together. Of course, I'm recording now with you, and then I'll record some intro and outro sections to go with this, and then yep. we'll put it up on the site. It, you know, it doesn't it doesn't happen in a, a couple of hours in the morning at four thirty. It's probably a good half day's process. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling you. I understand why you've gone for that format, and it's clearly working for you. Yeah, it doesn't mean I won't do it in the future. I had a chat to Mike Stelzner in San Diego earlier in the year, and I said, you know, how long does it take you to put together this podcast? And he said, a day. Yeah. And I went, um, wow, okay. So it's a fair commitment. Uh, it doesn't mean I won't do them in the future, um, and it doesn't mean I won't be doing more. I've done a few video, quite a few videos, but I will do um, – Videos maybe for squeeze pages, basically, as intros to premium content as part of a sales funnel strategy. So um, I think it's just trying to use the media and the content and what you're most comfortable with and what works for you. And I think that's part of your voice as well. Yeah. And for now, Jeff, whilst you're not doing a podcast, we're very happy for you to come on and share your wisdom with our listeners on this podcast. So it's uh, it's all worked out nicely in our favor anyway. So let, <laughs> let's finish up with one question and then we'll draw things to a close one other thing that i've noticed you know with your content is that you seem to put a good amount of effort into crafting and sort of impactful headline that's gonna sort of draw readers in how important is your headline to the success of your posts uh it's it's a big part of it i don't know what the percentage is but uh, if there's one thing you learn to do is you know learn to write headlines and um if you can do that, then you, it might be 20, 30% of the success of your blog. I, I, I read some horrendous headlines and going, like, oh, I don't even want to even click on that. It's, it's going to be boring. Um, so the, the reality, too, is online, no one's bought anything yet. There's no commitment. So, you know, the, the tweet going past, you've got like two seconds or less to actually go, I want to click on that link because of that great headline. Um, so when you buy a book for $20 a paperback, you bought it and so you sort of go, I bought it so I'm going to read it no matter what. Yep. Whereas the free content online, the only temptation you've got is actually the headline. Yeah. So you've got to get them and you've got to get them in two seconds. So um, five times as many people um, read the headline as read the content. So you've really got to get that right. And it's it's part art, part science. There's a lot of good resources around about how to write headlines. Copy blog is really good. There's a bunch of other ones. Just go and Google them. But yeah, get your headlines sorted. You know, learn to write a good headline. Yeah, and uh, it it will help a lot. Yeah, and I can see definitely, Jeff, for your 
particular strategy that's influenced heavily by Twitter, which is the the shortest social media um, platform on the planet. I mean, you literally have, as you said, got a second to grab people's attention or you're going to die. Yep. Um, it's right. in- incredibly important. Well, on that note, let's share your Twitter handle because you are very um, active on Twitter, Jeff. Where would people find you on Twitter? And then perhaps we'll share some um, other links if there's anything else you'd like our listener to check out other than jeffbullis.com. Um, my Twitter name is really simple, Jeff Bullis. Um, <laughs> Uh, luckily I've got a very strange name, so it really helps. I was able to get my name both as a domain name and as a Twitter handle and a few other things. So that's great. Um, um, I've, my book blogging the smart way, how to, uh, create and market a killer blog with social media. Um, that's on my blog. So, um, check that out if you've got time. So that's where you'll find me. My blog, my Twitter feed, you'll also find me on Facebook and Google Plus and LinkedIn and YouTube. So I try to be everywhere. You know, I've, I've got this mantra, it's to be ubiquitous. <laughs> well, to our listener, if you can't remember all of that, if you just simply go to Google and search for Jeff Bullis, you'll find that Jeff does dominate the entire first page with his own content. So I guess that's kind of proof of concept, eh, Jeff? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Well, you've been incredibly... Uh, generous with your time and your um, content today, Jeff. Um, Traffic Jam, thanks you for coming on board and perhaps sometime again in the future we can repeat this for another episode. Thanks, James. It's been a pleasure. Have a great day. This week's news in traffic. All right, so it's a kind of a light week in traffic news again. Not too many stories out there. We do have a couple, though. The first one's from Twitter, and they've announced a little bit more flexibility around mobile targeting for their ad platform. Now, mostly this new targeting options they've uh, introduced allow advertisers to target based on device type and also connectivity. So you can now target um, iOS users or you can pinpoint, say, Samsung users as well. And this is really going to be ideal for those people promoting mobile apps or perhaps telco marketers who want to offer particular discounts or coupons to people on certain devices or plans. Um, I don't think it's going to affect really the, the average marketer. But if you are in either of those segments, either in um, apps or, or telco, the two that I can think of right now, you may find this useful. In our second update out of Google, it seems that the search engine is now rolling out a new look to search engine results, or at least testing at this stage. Now, a test that they were doing on mobile devices about a month or so ago is now being tested on desktop devices too. And this new look to the search results is essentially a merging of the look and feel of the organic results with the look and feel of the um, ads. Whereas before, ads at the top of the page would be boxed in a yellowy orange box to make them 
them very distinguishable. Now they're also against a white background like the organic results, but have a small yellow label which says add just next to the ad listing. Now it is in testing stage, but I think this is a swinging of the pendulum towards advertisers and more likely than not will encourage a higher click through rate on ads and probably a lessening of clicks on organic results. So we'll see if this is rolled out for sure. But for now, it is being tested in the UK and in America on quite a large scale. So this may indicate that it is close to a large rollout. We'll wait and see. So we come to that point in the show where I feature you, the listener, and it's the iTunes reviews and ratings. And I've got a couple to read out this week, both from the United States. And the first one comes from Anthony Tran. He says, website traffic is a hot topic. And his comment is, all right, let's get some traffic. Love this topic about SEO and other ways to drive traffic to your website. So thank you for that, Anthony. And uh, also from uh, Andy Gray, as I said, also in the United States, he says, actionable and inspiring. Well worth the time. I'm finding both actionable content and inspiration for traffic building in each episode. Great stuff, James. So thank you to you both for those five-star reviews. As always, I'd love to get your feedback and reviews on Traffic Jam. And the way to do that is on iTunes. Head on over to iTunes in your iTunes player. Search for the Traffic Jam podcast. Hit the review and rating button. Give it a star rating out of five and then add your comments. Now, it's more than likely if you do leave a comment and it's relevant and also nice, I guess, (laughs) I will read it out on a future episode. So make sure you mention your name and also... Also, your website address is a good little marketing tip for you. I'll make sure that it gets a mention on an upcoming show. The one minute traffic tip. Okay, so the tip this week is to set up a referral program and pay commissions to people when they refer customers to your product. Now, you can do this the quick and simple way, i.e. you send me referrals and I'll credit you when someone becomes a sale. And of course, just make sure the person you send me quotes your name. Or if you have a high volume, perhaps some sort of online product or service, you may want to use specialist affiliate tracking solutions that uses links and IP tracking to effectively track who's sending you traffic and sales. Now, here's the key to successful referral or affiliate programs. You want to make sure that you reach out to affiliates and offer them help with content, interviews, webinars, or anything else that will help drive traffic and sales for you. Because when you help them make more commission, here's what will happen you'll make more sales yourself. That's the way a referral program works. And of course, you'll be getting access to a whole group of customers you wouldn't have otherwise had access to. Okay, so that brings us to a close on episode number 25 of Traffic Jam. I'll, of course, be doing it all again next week, where you should join me in about seven days from now for a deep dive into the topic of Google Plus with my extra special guest. So come back and visit us for that one. In the meantime, head on over to veravo.com for more traffic tips and training and to post any comments and questions that you have for this episode. To play out this week's show, we have a track by Linkin Park, which is a favourite band of Jeff Bullis. The track is called Castle of Glass, and here it is right now. See you next week.
Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website trafficjamcast.com.